Are you ready to dispel some myths about weight loss, Matthew Blades? I'm like, why, why else would anybody be here? <laughs> yeah, of course. Dr. Holly's going to join us in just a couple of moments. If that name doesn't mean much to you now, I promise it's going to mean a whole lot to you. But how did you get to know her really quick? So she was the main doctor. She was the head doctor on Extreme Weight Loss on ABC. And so our paths crossed and we hit it off. Man, she is brilliant. I learned so much of what I know now because of her. Yeah. And I cannot wait for her to share this with all of us. Yeah, we got a ton of fun things planned on the show. Why don't we set up what we've got coming up, okay? Yeah, tell them what we got going um, on. On today's podcast, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. we got our, our first Ask Chris segment where we're going to have a young man join us who wants to get a little bit better inside the gym. He wants to know what he can do differently. Of course, we're going to see if Chris can name that tune here in a little bit, and I'm sure you'll flip it on me. And we're getting ready to welcome in on today's podcast a good friend of yours. Um, she's a famous Holly. And, and it turns out I looked up online and there's a few famous Hollies out there, right? There's Buddy Holly. You may have heard of that, <laughs> right? There's a, yeah. an Italian porn star who's sadly no longer with us named Holly One, which I think is a play on golf, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, and, and then, of course, I have no idea who that is. So <laughs> I don't either. I, that was the one that was a mystery to me, too. But I'd heard of this last Holly, Holly Hunter, the American actress is also a famous Holly. Oh, yeah. But none of them as famous as your friend, Dr. Holly. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her? And then uh, I would love to bring her into our conversation. A hundred percent. I was blessed to have the opportunity to work with Dr. Holly and her partner, James Hill, at the University of Colorado. And, and for anyone who's in the world of weight loss and obesity research, they know the names Dr. Wyatt and Dr. Hill, because these are two of the uh, probably most um, respected doctors at the forefront of leading the research on weight loss and people who have lost weight successfully. And she's right here. Hey, hey Doc, how you doing? Good hey. to see you, my friend. Welcome. Good to see you. What a great introduction. I don't, I mean, I was, I was, where's this going famous Hollies, but then yeah, like how Great introduction. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very, I could have gone like this. Uh, Dr. White earned her medical degree from Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, and completed her internal medicine. You know, but I was like, come on, let's go famous Hollies. Let's have a little fun here. I think a great place to start in the weight loss journey for our sake is something that Chris and I have talked about before, which is myths, right? And evolving information. And there's so many things that we all were ingrained with proteins, fruits, grains, you know, all the things that have a story with them. And your research has really opened up a few of those things and gone, I don't know, not so true, guys. Not so true. And one of them that Chris, I know you're blown away by is diet soda. So I, I think let's jump off right there. The myth is what? Diet sodas or um, non-nutritive sweeteners or, or whatever actually cause you to gain weight or could cause obesity or some form of that question, right? That is the cause. And a lot of times the research for that has come out because of the association study. So they'll look and see what do people drink and they'll compare it to their body mass index, which is their body size for their for their height. And they'll say, look, people who have a high BMI, they drink a lot of sodas. They think of diet sodas. And so now we're talking about diet sodas, right? So with artificial sweeteners or non-nutritive sweeteners, Sweeteners. And so therefore, those drinks are causing them to gain weight. Well, that's not what those studies 
show. They just sew an association, but that makes good headlines. That makes good news. And people always want to be able to say there is a reason and point their finger. And so we like to hear, you know, the public likes to hear that too. There's, there's some reason that I can figure out that I can blame, but really when you look at the data and you look at cause and effect, and you look at the data that's not in animals and humans and the amounts that we drink, the amount of diet sodas that we typically drink, there is not good data to show that that's what's causing the obesity epidemic or that's causing people to gain weight. If anything, when we've looked at the National Weight Control Registry, which are people who are successful at losing weight and keep it off, they use them. They use them as a tool. Is it the key? No, a tool. Yes. So we have found data really to the contrary. Um, but that is one of those myths that people keep talking about. And, you know, we never know. There might be some new data that comes out a couple months from now and I'll change my mind. But what's out there right now, I don't think supports that 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 myth for me. It was literally like my belief systems when I met Dr. Holly got turned upside down and I went, oh my gosh. Okay. So all that aside without, you know, now that we're not demonizing diet soda, wait a second. Now we've got one of the most powerful tools in the world because it's the one thing that so many of our people are, they're addicted to. And, and like, it's, they're drinking 12 packs of soda. It's like, wait, if, what if we do make that switch? What if we do get them over to diet soda? Because based on the work that Dr. Holly was doing, she was, she showed that people who successfully lost weight and they were incorporating diet soda it gave them that sense of satisfaction that gave them that, that something that satisfied their sweet tooth so they were not over consuming other foods. Isn't the truth of this both for both of you really that there's not a one size fits all operation. Everybody's chemistry and their makeup and their build and their history and their environment are so different that how can you possibly lay down your sword and go this is the thing that works? Like, Yeah, that is what I was actually going to say. You know, if you drink diet sodas and it makes you hungry you do it and suddenly you say, you know what? every two after I drink a diet soda I'm starving then it might not be a tool for you and we need to be able to individualize it use it with other things that individualize it and it's always like if some food you're allergic to don't eat that food but that doesn't mean it's not a good food potentially for other people to use so Chris bringing up the example if you're really drinking a lot of full sugar sodas being able to substitute some of those out may be a really good tool for you for someone else might not be that effective or if for someone drinks it and say hey i get a headache after i've heard that i get a headache okay you get a headache that might not be a good tool for you that's where we really need to go is it's not black white it's not one size fits all it's not one solution we've really got to broaden how we think about things for those of you out there listening they're saying how do i take the first step start doing some digging into why does he really want to do this i mean and it's not just like Dr. Holly was saying, it's not just, I want to lose 40 pounds. Why do you want to lose 40 pounds? What will that mean about you when you lose those 40 pounds? Is it to be loved? Is it to be safe? Is it to be understood? Is it to be respected? Is it to be, um, what is it that you're really deep down seeking? You know, find yeah. out why. It's that then, feeling, that emotion. I always say get to, and when I know when someone's there because they tear up. You can hear it in their voice. And Chris, you're just good. I think you're just good naturally at doing it. You kind of know. I mean, the show, we saw that all the time, right? When you really get to it, not the, I always think there's a public why. If you put right. someone on a microphone, oh, I want to be healthy. I want to, you know, healthy is not enough. It's why do you want to be healthy? And yeah. that private why. And when you get to that private why, it's you, you, you let 
the armor down and you're vulnerable and you you actually cry or you can hear the emotion in their voice. And if you don't mind, actually, I'd like, I'd like to share why that I hear a lot and I get it, and especially it's from parents who say, oh, my why is my kids. And I get that. And I, I do. I, I understand it. And Matthew, I just saw your, your reaction. And the thing is, and I, I there's first of all, I don't doubt that you love your kids more than anything I'm talking about. There's no there's no kind of unconditional love that like that kind of love. Um, but with the, the parents that I've worked with a lot and and Dr. Holly, you just said this too: the private why. Sometimes when you dig even deeper than that, the why, your why should come back to yourself. It's not extrinsic, it's intrinsic. And when I've really done some deep digging with a lot of parents, um, why is it that they choose their kids? It's when they get down and they start peeling back all the layers, it's so that they can actually feel worthy like a worthy parent of having these kids. And that's the deepest part of it is feeling worthy because, and they're struggling now because they're not able to get down on the ground and play with their kids. They're not able to show up for them because they're exhausted. They're, you know, or they're frustrated or they're stressed and all these different things. And most parents want to feel worthy. That's intrinsic. I mean, we might say, yeah, like what, like what you said, it's a private why it's like, why do I really want this? It's because I just need to feel worthy of having these kids. And they may not want to say that, right? That's kind of scary to say that, to admit that, to put that out there. And sometimes you don't, they may not even know it. They have to really dig deep to get there. And I love that you use the word intrinsic because to me, Mm -hmm. that is the key. There are extrinsic motivators. We can use them. And at the show, that was a huge extrinsic motivator. You got the camera running around at me and that's outside. But the people who really made the change, the change that last or the, uh, lasted are the ones that really did the work to figure out the internal stuff. So I love that word intrinsic versus yeah. extrinsic diet bets and all that kind of stuff works a little bit. I always say it's like gasoline. Extrinsic's like right. gasoline on a fire. Boom and gone. Mm-hmm. You've done a ton of work with the, you know, the 10,000 successful losers, people who have successfully lost weight with the uh, with the National Weight Control Registry. What would you say are the most important findings that you found? Maybe the top one or two things that you found that we can implement in our lives now that could make a difference? Because you've studied all the people who success, who've successfully lost weight in the long term. What do they all have in common? I love that you brought up this question because the National Weight Control Registry is a group of people who are successful. And in science, so many times we study the people who fail. There's, we can gain stuff from that, but I love it that Jim Hill and Rena Wing said, no, I think people out who are successful, you, to be in the registry, you've got to have lost 30 pounds minimum and kept it off for a year. That's just no. the requirements they, they made. One of the big things that I use now when I'm developing programs or when I'm talking to people that want to lose weight is the concept that weight loss and weight loss maintenance are not the same thing. I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, whatever you do to lose the weight, be ready to do it for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not exactly. If you think about it, Chris, Mm -hmm. when people need to lose weight, they need to be in a negative energy balance, meaning they need to be eating less calories than they're burning. And that has to happen. And it can happen a whole bunch of different ways. And the registry showed us that. There isn't one way to lose weight. That was one thing that came out of the registry. There isn't one diet. There isn't one way. So that was great. But think about that. So the strategies that work to get someone in negative energy balance for weight loss might be different slightly than the strategy you need to be in energy balance to maintain it. So, you know, to pull it apart, to be eating less than you're burning, that's one strategy, one tool set. To then match how many calories are coming in, to match how many calories you're burning and adjusting. You eat a little bit more, you burn a little bit more. You eat a little bit less, you burn. We call this metabolic flexibility. 
bodies do it naturally. Some people do it more naturally than others. Some people who struggle their weight may not have as much flexibility. I love that concept though, that flexible and the strategies that work to create metabolic flexibility may be slightly different than what you do to lose weight. That's a big paradigm shift in the field because it doesn't mean that you can go back to doing what you were before. You will regain the weight. We know that. Right. But what you do to lose the weight and then what you do to maintain it may need to be a continuum, but may need to change over time. But that big concept was something that came out of the registry that I think changed how I design programs, how I help people lose weight and keep it off, beat that yo-yo. So that was a big concept that came out. Lots of little things came out in terms of how many meals they tend to eat and, you know, the amount of physical activity. And I say little, lots of stuff came out, but big conceptual things. That was one of the big ones that came out. Along with what we just talked about, people in the registry who are successful have really done some internal work. Ah. And they started to tie this lifestyle not to just weight. It may have started out that way. I'm doing this because I want to lose weight. But why I think it continues, they're successful long term, is they take that lifestyle and they tie it to things that are important to them. And it becomes bigger than weight loss. Um, you know, so for instance, if someone loves to take care of dogs, they're, they, you know, they're like a rescuer, then it's let's tie physical activity to rescuing dogs. Let's have you walking dogs at that dog shelter every single day. So why are you going to get your movement in? Eh, maybe a little bit about weight, but no, it's about walking those dogs because that's part of what I love. So tying the lifestyle to those behaviors, that's something else we saw. They really change or reestablish that lifestyle internally and who they are and what's important to them. What are a couple strategies that you have found that, that in studying the weight loss registry, those people have it implemented to be successful in maintenance? Yeah. So one of the biggest ones is that movement, physical activity, whatever you want to call it. Um, we think that movement and having a certain amount of energy through the system, meaning coming in and going out, right? You're eating, but then you're burning it, kind of having a high level, what I call energy flux, contributes to metabolic flexibility. Now, yes, it helps with weight loss, but you also know you can be very successful with weight loss without it. I don't recommend it for many, many reasons. Physical activity, movement, exercise is good for you for, for many, 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 many reasons. But really where it has its biggest effect isn't in the weight loss. It's in the weight loss maintenance. We think partly because of that metabolic flexibility. We're designed as human beings to have a certain level of energy going through our system. And our environment has kind of pushed us down where unless we kind of purposely do it, we, we're not at that level where that flexibility. And I love it. What I do is when people get to the weight loss maintenance, we want to see how flexible they can be. How many calories can I put in the system and they can still adjust? And I'm always like, how flexible can we go? And right. that's cool because you really want to be able to maintain on as many calories eating, as many calories as you can, not on the least. That's associated with long-term success. Yes. The other thing about weight loss maintenance is social and physical environment. Have you changed your social environment to support these behaviors? Have you changed your physical environment to support the behaviors? And that to me is not, not as much, you can use willpower and the weight loss, but for this long-term weight loss maintenance, we've got to have some of those pieces in place. And that is more associated with what's required to be successful in that phase. 
This is that's a show unto itself. It is. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the most important things, the social environment and the physical environment. It's it's what's changed over the last, you know, 50 years. And we can do something about it. You know, I know a lot of people think they can't, but we can. And I would love to be back on the show. That's one of my that's one of the things I love to talk about. Now, I do know Matthew's got some some more fun questions for you. Okay, so you you passed the tough part. Listen, I mean, if she's got time and she wants to hang out for some of the fun on the show, uh, why not? Why not? It it only take a couple of minutes. Do you think she could get our name that tune? Do you think she would be? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Oh <laughs> man! Now I feel pressure. These are the big questions. Yeah. Now this is the hard question. That uh, exactly. those are easy. Yeah. We're done talking about research. I want to see if you can name this tune and you only get a second of it holly okay so we're this gonna have to really key in but i have picked the easiest one that we've had so far I know undress me. i'm terrible with titles i know that song but I know undress me. you want to help her out chris yeah help me out he's chris. from minneapolis the, the, Bathy's home state he is royalty yes he, he is and he was once known not by his name but by a symbol it is Prince. Prince. Kiss by Prince. It's one of the fun ones, man. There that should go. be in people's playlist when they're working out, having a good time. Why not? All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I got one more. Either one of you, feel free to jump in. And, and Holly, for what it's worth, I stumped Matthew last week, so we're good. It's <laughs> a hard song, man. You picked like, some really weird group that I'd never heard before. So here's another fun right. one. I'll give you guys a hint. This one's from the 80s as well, so let's have some fun. Here we go. Okay. Ready? All right, fine. On my own. I got it. You got it? You got it. Don't you, Dr. Holly? This is pressure. I am not good at this. This is this is pressure for me. I could not be on a talk show. This is stressing me out. So go go go. All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with heart. I'm gonna go with heart. Yeah. Right. And yeah. uh, no no no. What is the name of the song? Alone by Dang. heart. Yes. <laughs> Alone by heart. Good job. Good job. Close. Oh, yeah, you're fifty percent. Well, don't you feel like you got the full experience now, Doctor Holly? I, I, I mean, did. I, Obviously, not, that's not my that's not my my uh, sweet spot, but uh, it was fun. Yes. Thank you so much. This was fun. I I told Chris I don't do things anymore that aren't fun. That's the key, and this was fun. So I would love to come back and thank you for having me. Super awesome. fun. We enjoyed thank it you. too. Oh, Bye, Doc. All right. Have a great day. All right, we got a couple of things to do before we get wrapped up here today. I promised everybody the Ask Chris segment. It's going to be the first time that we do this. And uh, we're going to work on a portal so that you can get your questions to us even easier. Uh, our first Ask Chris segment is right here. Here you go, Chris. Listen up. Hey, Chris. I'm Truman. I'm new to the gym. Uh, what should I do before I'm going to work out? Here's the thing I've done. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. And there's a lot of people that might disagree with me here. But while I do think it is important to go over over the basics of biomechanics and moving slowly and like remember form 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 when you're when you're starting to train and when you're when you're learning how to train it's always about proper form so you know this this gentleman he needs to really dig in and 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 go through the motions of what a proper press looks like, shoulder position, elbow position, full range of motion, or maybe even a partial range of motion, whatever, whatever's right for him, as long as it's pain free and understanding like what that is, because it's going to be form over everything. There's no need and we have no business increasing intensity unless we could do form consistently 
And only then can we increase intensity. So he's got to focus on that form. And this is where, and I'm going to go back to what I was starting to talk about before. There is a beauty to selectorized equipment. And that's the kind of stuff where you go into a gym and you actually see like a machine sitting there. It's like a chest press machine to be able to actually sit down on the machine. Sometimes it's not going to put you into perfectly ideal biomechanical form, but it's going to get you closer than if you're just like you're on your own. So this is actually where, especially for beginners, I don't hesitate to put them on a machine and have them then just go very light on the weight stack, super light to the point where there's no muscle fatigue at all. And just feeling the muscle in motion. Don't race through reps at all. It's about learning how to move your body. We're not looking to fatigue the muscle or anything like that. It's all about learning and repetition. So just go through the motions. I like to count to three seconds, three seconds for the concentric, which means the muscle is short. And then three seconds, three seconds for the eccentric. So I go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, or sometimes even more. Same thing, but doing a bicep crawl, you go ahead and I'll grab the, the selector as equipment. I'll put it on the super light stack and I just go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And I take my people through a, a basic tempo or cadence and that alone. And we will do that over and over and over again for several weeks before we have any business starting to increase weight and look, I look for mus- muscular fatigue because the moment that starts to happen, then people start to compensate their form. And that's when we risk injury. As we come to a close, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up a little lighthearted and then I've got some final thoughts that I want to present your way, but I came across a great list, Chris of which one, if you had to do without, which one would you pick? Right. Coffee or cola? If you could never have one of them ever again, what would you pick? Cola for me. And it's not cola. I I, I do drink diet soda. How appropriate. I have, of course, having diet, Dr. Holly. Yeah, right. I, I didn't. I did not drink diet soda for like 15 years. Now it is one of the most powerful tools I have to curb my sweet tooth at night because I liked, I like to eat. I like to eat sweets and I like to volume eat. And diet soda, when I, when I start foraging through the fridge or the pantry at night and I open up the fridge and I always have a 12 pack of diet root beer, that's my thing. And, and I literally will just crack that sucker and pour it into a little, um, Mason jar of, of ice and I'll sip on that. And it is amazing game changer for me because now I also, I do use caffeine, but I've never liked the taste of coffee. And so of course I, I make my own products with caffeine in them. And so, and, and, and I get to be my own little mad scientist there where I have instant caffeine release and sustained caffeine release with nootropics and everything. So I, I get, I get a buzz from caffeine that's way better than coffee. So I, I'll, ah. I'll keep making my own little formulas over there and then I'll keep my diet soda that, enough about me how about you i i i'm coffee i i don't i don't drink you know the only cola that i drink is root beer and i get made fun of every time i go out to eat because uh whoever i'm out with inevitably will say to the waiter and, and can you bring them the kids menu too uh, <laughs> <laughs> right well, sign me up because root beer's, that's my thing too so yeah. i'm coffee i'm coffee all right here you go next one this gets a little tougher pizza or tacos 
Oh, I, I would give up tacos. I'll take pizza over tacos. Really? Yeah, I, I actually will. Yes, yes. Pizza has been my thing ever since I was a kid. I love pizza. How about you? Pizza or tacos? I'm, I'm probably getting rid of pizza. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and only because, and here's my here's my kind of caveat for that. So um, I have a body that doesn't do really well with a bunch of dairy. Mm-hmm. And so if I overconsume cheese, I start to feel a little stuffy, right? I get a little inflammation. I just know that my body doesn't love it tons. And so that's why it's an easy one for me. It's like, eh, my body doesn't really like it. So it's easy for me to, to yep. ditch that one. Fair enough. Uh, as we wrap up, man, you know, I like to leave them. I like to leave you with something. And I, so uh, in my family, I would say that most of them would agree I'm the fun killer. And what I mean by that is there's more times where I shoot something down or I say no. And this past vacation, I was trying really, really hard to be engaging in that space, even though I full uh, feel like in full transparency right now, like, you know, money's tight. Spending extra dough isn't really what we need to be doing at this at this moment. But the first day of our vacation with the family, we went to a golf course and uh, it was something that the kids hadn't done since they were really little. And the joy on their face, the camaraderie by the end of the round, watching my oldest son getting to drive a golf cart for the very first time made that something really incredible. Two weeks ago, I was in Utah and I was speaking at this conference, delivering to a group of people about inner child wounds. We talked about that a little earlier with uh, Dr. Hawley. And basically, if you had a childhood trauma, there's a pretty good chance that it left a wound. And we're starting to learn a lot more about those wounds and the way that we can give them to our own children. So in the spirit of being a better dad and a better mom and a perpetual student, which is, I know, words you love, Chris, Mm -hmm. let me leave you with a couple of ways that you can wound your own kids. The first is to be the fun police and kill all the fun. And the second is to not let them have their own thoughts and opinions. Two things that for this dad, I'm going to be working on a lot more moving forward. Because I saw the value of letting go of being that fun killer and how much my boys opened up and became brothers. Your thoughts and opinions on that, Chris? Um, it, it, it hits home, uh, especially like being being the fun police. <clears throat> I know I found myself there a lot. And, and I think I definitely think we have to kind of throw an asterisk on that statement because like sometimes you have to. I mean, especially sure. if, I take it too far. Sometimes. I'll kill the fun for selfish reasons mm. because because of something I want. I need. And 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 the thing is it and it's not like a pressing need. It, sometimes it's just because I don't want to take the time or energy to engage but and I'll be fully honest. Sometimes I just don't want to take the time and energy to engage. And in those situations, that is something that's why I'm really I'm glad you brought this up because that is something that I should be aware of so that I don't so I catch myself in those situations. I ask myself, like, am I stopping at what could be an amazing opportunity for connection here? Hmm. Simply because I don't want to take the time and energy to engage with my kids because I'm, I'm busy worrying about something else that's happening that could, that could be put on hold for later. Like it's a priority check. I guess at the end of the day, it's a big priority check. Those are my thoughts. And so, and I think the best I could do is just to be, to look to, to be more aware of it. Cause I, if, if we're, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, and so if you're not even aware of even thinking about, about being the, the fun police. The moment you said that, I'm sure I did. And I'm sure a lot of people listening were like, 
they, they, you start going through right. the timeline. You're like, okay, where, where, how and when was I the fun police? Oh gosh, it happens a lot more than it probably happens daily. Um, <clears throat> and so thank you for bringing that up. It's, it's definitely something that I need to practice. Listen, man, none of us can meet every single need of every single child. That's an impossible task. Uh, you and I agree. It's just about becoming a perpetual student to become better and to make our our relationships more meaningful with the people around us because to, to, to run this all up, kind of bring it full circle. We had a big discussion today with Dr. Holly about why. And once we tap into our why, the true why, not that fake thing, I want to lose 40 pounds, but that thing that says, honestly, I don't want to give another inner child wound to my kids. The same way I experienced growing up. That's my why. Boy, when that comes to fruition, it becomes really easy to make a lot different choices in your life. Yeah. And that's why settling in on your why is so critically important. So appreciate you, man, as always. Likewise, my friend. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being a part of I Needed That. That was episode number two. Next week, Chris, we're back with episode number three. What do we have planned? Dude, we're going to do a deep dive into one of the biggest obstacles that the the participants on my show faced. and But it's something that's so real that we all do every single day. And, and so I, I want to talk about it. And I want to give some real action items to stopping it when it happens so that we can navigate around it and not through it. Dude, what? I feel like every week you're going to put on a master class on how to do these things. Hey, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Have some fun, but to learn a lot and to have, again, those, those takeaway action items so we can make our lives better. There you go. We're also going to have Strange But True. Would you rather? Chris will try to name that tune. And we're going to bring on a writing expert who's going to help us know or learn, rather, how we can write things out. You know, because not everybody loves to talk about their feelings. Some people would rather put pen to paper, right? It's important. What do you do? Where do you start? That's all next week on I Needed That. We'll see you then.